Okay, so I have the privilege of talking today, um, continuing our series on why Jesus, but I have to start with a confession. I didn't actually used to like Jesus. Um, I thought he was really demanding and very cranky. Um, To me, he always seemed to imply that his disciples were a bit of a disappointment and that they really should try harder. I'll give you a couple of examples. So, you know, when he was like praying in the garden and then the disciples fell asleep and it was just before he was getting arrested and he came back and he's like, why are you sleeping? He said to them, get up and pray so you will not fall into temptation. And it says he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. I'm like, oh, give him a break. And then there's poor Martha in Luke 10. You know, she's just serving him. Like, someone comes in your house, you don't give them anything. You feel like you get rebuked for that. And she's just serving him. And he's like, no, Martha. And that's not the way. Um, Chapter 8 of Matthew's Gospel. Another disciple came to Jesus and says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Like, it just sounds harsh. And when he's calmed the storm, he says to his disciples, you have little faith, why were you so afraid? And then there's all the do nots. Do not store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Do not worry about your life. Do not judge. As I read the Bible, I could not hear anything other than annoyance in Jesus's words. He just seemed so hard to please. I knew I was supposed to love him, but I really wasn't sure that I liked him. And verses that were supposed to bring me comfort, like Psalm 139, where it's like, where can I go to flee from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? To me, that was like a threat. You know, it was like, there's nowhere you can go. I won't get you. You know, it was like, I see everything. So my like little teenage, late, this is kind of like late teens, early 20s. My little late teens, early 20s self that had grown up in the church was like, sheesh, man, this is like hard work. And this Jesus is really, really rather hard work. Um, Turns out, the way I thought Jesus felt about me was how I felt about me. (laughs) Funny that. I was projecting onto Jesus all my feelings about myself, um, which was leading me to interpret the Bible in a certain way. Now when I read it, I don't see him that way at all. In fact, when I was trying to find verses as evidence of how cranky he was, I couldn't find any because I just don't see it that way. But I had to kind of go back in my head of like, Oh, no, totally. That was where I just used to get really annoyed with that. So today I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you how I got from that to like loving Jesus and enjoying Jesus. As I do, I guess I'd just like to encourage you to have a think about, are there things that, if you're really honest, you think about Jesus that you don't feel like you're actually allowed to say? Like, isn't he a bit cranky? Or doesn't he ask a bit much? Um... And just be on, I just encourage you to be honest with yourself and, and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you about that. Are there barriers between you and Jesus? Um, because the Holy Spirit would love to shed some light on that for you. So back in my early 20s, I can't remember if it was early 20s, late teens, it was a long time ago. Uh, my parents gave me a book by this lady called Isabel Kuhn and it was called By Searching. And she posed the question in that. So she wasn't a believer initially. Um, and she posed the question, can you, by searching, find God? So is it that like God just finds some people, or if you really wanted to find him, could you? You know. Um, so I, I kind of loved that question. It just really spoke to me. I was like, yeah, can I really know him? And as I read about her life, so she was a missionary in, into China, she just really seemed to know Jesus. 
like I'd grown up in church so I knew a lot about him but I couldn't have really said that I like knew him you know that I could say no he's not like that he's like this and um it it really challenged me I think to make a decision of like either Jesus means everything or nothing and I was in that kind of age where a lot you know I was at uni and a lot of my friends were like didn't really care a few people I've been in youth with were like trying to work out what they thought and and so I just resolved that I wanted to know God as much as it was possible to know him on this earth I was like I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna go for that which brings me on to our scripture for this morning in Matthew 13 we read the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. So I resolved to give up everything for the sake of knowing Jesus, if that's what it took. Which led me to spending a year in North Africa in my early 20s, in which I had to really depend on the Lord for everything. Because in a new culture, I mean, I had like very, very patchy French um, and they speak French and Arabic. And, you know, you're in a, I mean, in a totally different culture. I stood out like a sore thumb. I was like long blonde hair, very young. You know, I would forget how much I stood out until I walked past a shop window and just would see my blondness with everyone else's like dark hair, dark skin. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, But I was stripped of everything that I used to tell me who I was. So my identity really was in my, my career, you know, being successful, having a good education, having good relationships with my family, even things like having a sense of humor or being able to be self-sufficient and make decisions, all gone. Um, which really led me to like quite, the, you know, without being like overly dramatic, the depths of despair um, and all my brokenness, like all my ways of coping with stuff when things don't go well, all just kind of like went, I don't know. I realised that I was carrying a lot of anger about things that happened to me as a teenager. I was quite a perfectionist and I carried with me a sense of not being good enough. Um, we'd moved to Australia when I was just about 12 and that had left me with a feeling of always being an outsider, of never quite fitting in. Um, I was also young for my year at school because the school years didn't match up. And, you know, there was just... And in my family, I was, like, all creative and all my family are science, mathsy people. And I was just... Just didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. So I always just felt this inadequacy, which ultimately led to me feeling like I wasn't really worthy of God's love. I felt like Jesus had to love me, but he probably didn't actually really like me very much. Or he always just thought I could have done better. As I dealt with, like the mess of all of this with Jesus, I was fortunate to have some prayer ministry um, through a very godly couple who just kind of helped me walk through my stuckness of like, I knew he was supposed to help me, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't get there. Um, I was blessed with just an amazing vision of Jesus, which probably lasted about half an hour and just through which I was weeping, but actually felt like I got to see him oh so it makes me a bit emotional thinking about it um and really really talked to him and it started actually like you know this couple said to me where's Jesus and I'm like well I don't know he's over there and I felt like 
I actually felt like there was this little goblin trying to keep me from him. And it was all kind of this rushing blackness. And, and he was like there and I was here and I couldn't get it. And they just kind of stepped, well, ask him what what to do with that. And, you know, and just kind of stepped and I was like, oh, you can have that kind of conversation with him. Like, I'm feeling this, what, what should I do? What's that? And I just felt like he revealed bit after bit to me and ended up in this vision I had of just sitting in a garden with him, just talking and realising he didn't want me to be good at stuff. He didn't need me to be good at anything. He just wanted to know me. And I so badly just wanted to know him. And so all the things, and I even said to him, like, why are you so cranky? And he said, I'm not. <laughs> so you just need, you need a new filter. He said, your filter has always been this unworthiness and you, you need to, to see me in a different way. And he spoke to me through Psalm 59, uh, verses 16 to 17, which says, I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I'll sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I will sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. And I just had this little revelation that it's actually Satan that accuses us. And Jesus is our defender. Like, he is the one who's like, get in this fortress, girl, and I will, like, bat that stuff away. Um, you know, Hebrews 12, too, says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Um, he has done that. You know, like, he defends us. He is like our safe place, and any accusation is not from him. But he needed my honesty. Like, I had to come to him with my honesty and my anger. I spent quite a lot of time, actually, like, screaming on beaches. <laughs> because um, there's just a lot of stuff didn't go very well in my teenage years that really had affected me a lot and I was just like where were you let's just get to this where were you um, and I think we need to be really honest with Jesus if we really want to know him even if it's hard and if, if you're in that position and you want some help with that then just come and see me or Alex or Neil and Kate or you know we'd love to help you with that there were so many lies that I believed, such as he doesn't speak to me, he only speaks to spiritual people, um, or I need to hear, I need others to hear from God to sort of validate it, because if I think, if I think he's spoken to me, he probably hasn't, or it doesn't really count somehow, um, that miracles were for then, but not for now, and certainly not for me, because I wasn't like special enough, or significant enough or something. Um, actually, I could tell you, I could like, do an hour or so on miracles that I've seen in my life, but that's a totally another thing. Um, but he's just showed me, he's just like broken these lies over time to say that they're lies. And as I read the Bible with new eyes, and as I staked my life, like my coming, my going, my speaking, walking, talking, sleeping, working, on him being true to his word, I found that he was. I started to read my Bible all the time. Um, and my journals through those years are just filled with passages through which Jesus has spoken to me such that um, there's a verse in Psalm 119 which I love, verse 92 it says, if your law had not been my delight I would have perished in my affliction I will never forget your precepts for by them you have preserved my life and this really became true in my journal from January 2003 I wrote, this is what I found that some things in life make it more difficult for us to grow spiritually. When my life was such that I could control it all, I did just that. I didn't need God, and my life didn't have time for him. 
At the end of last year, I asked God to not allow me to go back to a life in which I could do things on my own. If I can be self-sufficient, I will be. Instead, I want to live a life over which God has complete control, because that's where spiritual riches are to be found. So the more time I spent like, actually enjoying Jesus, the more it actually, and reading his word and letting it just become my reality, the more it actually just then ruined me for everything else. Um, I don't have a lot of ambition for anything else, really. I just have ambition to see Jesus' kingdom come and people to know him. That's really all I care about. Um, and as I've surrendered my life to him, I found that he's always met me, always led me, always cared for me, always nurtured me. And that is the Jesus that we get to worship and know. I have pretty much flung myself on him. Um, you know, there were a lot, of, I spent a lot of my 20s on my own. I traveled quite a lot, um, went to different countries, churches, places. And I, I just said to Jesus, like, I don't have another person. Like, my family weren't in my country. I wasn't, hadn't met Alex yet. You know, there, I didn't have a person or any kind of anchor. And I was like, Jesus, you've got to be that anchor. And so I would ask him for all the things that you might ask a friend for, like a favor. So when I, when I was in North Africa, I was like, right, I'm going to go out and get a taxi somewhere. But that's, sometimes that would lead to quite a lot of hassle on the street. If I was like standing on the street corner waiting for a taxi and it could be ages. And I would just pray. I'm like, Jesus, please, will you get me a taxi? And I'd wait inside. And when I felt like he said, go outside, I'd go outside and there'd be a taxi. Um, you know, sometimes he sent me friends or someone to help with language or just time after time as I prayed, he provided. Like that's how he has loved me. Um, I've relied on the Lord for like, housing, transportation, money, employment. I moved to England after I'd been in North Africa, previously living in Australia. Um, since then, I've taken jobs, sought relationships, worshipped wherever he's led me. And it hasn't been without cost. My family all live in Australia. I clearly don't. Um, that's really hard. That's really painful for me. There's been so many times in my life, I'm like, was, was there a point I could have chosen that not to be the case? Um, you know, Lockie, um, Josh and Alex and I lived there for almost five years when the boys were little. And then about four years, well, almost exactly four years ago, we moved back because we felt God clearly speak to us about coming back to Putney. Um, actually, <laughs> since Alex and I got married in, in 2010, We've tried to leave Putney four times, like really seriously tried to leave Putney. We've visited churches, looked at houses, put our house on the market, those are things. And God has shut it down every time. Or we went to Australia for a bit and then we came back again. Um, I think when we surrender to him, he shows us who he is. And if we don't, we won't see it. Or we'll see little bits of it, but we'll never get it, like be full of him. Um, Jesus will lead you. He will love you and protect you. Jesus can be so real to you that you would feel like you can reach out and touch him. And that's not just for other people who are super spiritual, that's for you. He can, you can know him like that. He is who he says he is, and he is completely worthy of our worship and our lives. In Mark 8, Jesus says, Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can someone give in exchange for their soul? And even now I feel like he's, you know, calling me to other to something else. So I work full time at the moment. I feel like he's telling me to go part time. Um to make more space for him, actually to make more space for I don't know what ministry he wants me to do or what or but I feel like there's more I want to do in seeing the kingdom come than I can do in a very busy full-time job. Um, and I think where he calls us, he also provides, because my boss, I've been chatting to my boss about it, and we ended up having this conversation, it's like, we just take as much time off as you want. Like, so you can have, I can have extra, extra holidays in some holidays, I can work four days a week, and I was like, okay, uh, that works. Um, but my... I guess my experience has been that we can know as much of Jesus as we are prepared to make way for. And he is absolutely true to his word. And it has, like, without, like, over-dramatizing, it has saved my life. Like, he has just filled me and made it so much richer than I could have had trying to do it all on my own. So I'll just finish by reading again the verse that we started with. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. <laughs>